This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Hi, I'm Jane Pauley, and this is our Sunday Morning Extra, our podcast featuring a memorable story from our most recent show. It's a conversation that offers insights beyond the broadcast. In this episode, a conversation with James Taylor. Day is ending. You know, I don't sit still very well, and so I need to have something to occupy me, particularly if I'm trying to concentrate on getting some work done or something. Before James Taylor can kindle the flames of his imagination... You've done that before, I guess. He likes to split kindling for his own little fire in the wood stove in his studio in Lenox, Massachusetts. Where'd you learn to do that? Uh, I, too, grew up in the sticks, so didn't you have fires as kids? James, I had a suburban childhood. We were girls. We didn't start fires. Right, right, of course. <laughs> this is cheating, of course. A little bit. Sometimes he uses a little blowtorch to get the fire going. At 71, James Taylor is as busy as ever. When whippoorwills cry 
If we're recording, we, we sort of set up in this space behind us. Whether it's recording and producing his own albums. You can see our list of songs that are on the American Standards album. There was something about the actual thing of having an echo chamber. Or building his own echo chamber. Here's the key, <laughs> I think. From an old shipping container. Oklahoma weather. Hello. Another project, a deep dive into the wellsprings of his own creativity. In my mind, I'm gone to Carolina. Before long, my folks bought a piece of land down on Morgan Creek. An audio-only memoir out this week on Audible about his early days and growing up in North Carolina with his parents and four siblings. We were kind of isolated out there. As kids, we seemed to have hours of empty time. A fantasy could last all afternoon. I don't think I would have become a songwriter if I had not had all of those free days to let my imagination roam. James Taylor was 19 when he wrote Carolina in My Mind during a trip to Spain where he met a girl named Karen. As the sun came up, uh, the first verse came to me. Karen, she's a silver sun. Karen, she's a silver sun. Walk her way and watch it shine. Watch her watch the morning come. Did you say, Karen, do you have a pencil? <laughs> yeah, right. I may have. I may well have. When did the music catch up? I don't know. I, I can't remember the, the, the timing of that song. Probably later that day, I sat down with it and worked at it a little bit. It's hard for me to imagine they're separate. The music and the words they, they arrived do. simultaneously. They, they usually do. And, and certainly my songs aren't, aren't uh, you know, to be taken literally, they, they have uh, points, uh, touchstones of reality, but then they, they, they have their own uh, life, too. They, they head off in their own direction, a song does. Another song he wrote during those very early years, There's a young cowboy, Sweet Baby James, on the rain. His horse and his cattle are his only companions. I have lived with James Taylor and, and singing along and the harmonies. And, and uh, sometimes I, I now realize I wasn't paying close attention to why you are such a respected musician and a songwriter. Um, there's a lot, lot going on. That's a song I'm proud of. I, I, I think it came out really well, and I worked hard on it. How old were you? Uh, I guess I was 20. Good night, you moonlight ladies. Rock by sweet baby Jane. Might have been 21. Sure. I wrote the first, bo both uh, halves of it, both verses, were written uh, behind the wheel of an automobile. In the first case, driving down to North Carolina after returning from uh, London and my, recording my first album, I was driving south to see my family in North Carolina and to see my 
my older brother's baby, named after me, little baby James. And uh, I wanted to write a song that would that I could sing to him, a cowboy lullaby. Is what I, because back in those days, cowboys were a big thing, and uh, that's what you sort of gave a little buckaroo, you know. So uh, go to sleep. And and then the second half was written uh, driving on the turnpike from Stockbridge to Boston, and uh, uh, looking at. Uh, in, in that case, I, I become Sweet Baby James, and I take a look at what's in front of me, and uh, you know, and I talk about music and uh, spirituality, and you know, it becomes more cosmic. Uh, it starts being a, you know, but it, the the thing about the song is is that it, um, you know, I can't make any claims for it musically. It just came out. The way it sounds, there's no directing that. It, that those are like found items on the beach, you know, uh, those harmonic structures and the melody that fits with them. I've never found anything like that on a beach, but okay. <laughs> but Sweet Baby James has a very demanding rhyming scheme. It, it, it rhymes in about 10 different places as the song goes by. Uh, there is a young cowboy who lives on the range waiting for summer his pastures to change. His horse and his cattle are his only companions. He works in the saddle for cattle, and he sleeps in the canyons for companions, waiting for summer his pastures to change. So uh, it's, each verse has, uh, has six internal rhymes, and, um, and, and those, those uh, I keep true to those throughout the song. Uh, which is sort of like a, a game of, you know, like, uh, it's like a crossword puzzle. Wow, if you'd gone to college, that would have been your junior year. Uh, I, I think you would have probably gotten an A in, in uh, English 301 writing something but you didn't go to college you mean for that for that song yeah because while you while you weren't in college you went to london uh you signed with the beatles you recorded an album uh carolina on my mind is on that album you came back uh and you write sweet baby james and um and now it's it's huge only there's the matter of the drug thing sure and I'm a little concerned that you were on the road driving to North Carolina, and you probably had a drug thing at that point. And on the to Stockbridge, Boston, you probably shouldn't have been driving. No, that's probably true. I mean, I probably shouldn't have been driving. But, you know, it's a matter of taking the right drugs at the right time, actually. <laughs> what would I know? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. No, it's, uh, yeah. uh, you know... Uh, it's, um, you know, truck drivers have been known to, to, to take drugs, and there are a lot of them out there, so it's just... I feel much better, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you survived it. You survived it all. And my goodness, to be a, to be a pop star, a rock star... Kind of hard to get out of your sixties alive these days. You know, I certainly 
never saw myself being this old when I was, you know, I, um, I have a song uh, called Copper Line that repeats the line, uh, um, I'm only living till the end of the week. And I think that when you're that age, you're a combination of feeling like you're immortal and you also feel as though you have no future, you know. So um, I never saw, uh, certainly, being this age and, and still doing what I do at this age. So that's remarkable, too. Very clear, my love. Sure, the teacher stands so near. Life these days is pretty sweet for James Taylor. His two oldest children, Ben and Sally, are established musicians. His twins, Rufus and Henry, who were six when Sunday morning last visited with the Taylors, are now applying to college. And he's been happily married to Kim for nearly two decades. When I take you out tonight with me. Kim makes a cameo appearance on one of his ventures in progress. Now would you say that fringe was made of silk? I corralled her into singing on Surrey with a fringe on top. She sings a little. Does she sing that? Are they really white? Yes, that's right. That's her? Yeah, that's Kim. She's really good. She is really good. Has it really got a team of snow-white horses? He did that, just knocked it off in an afternoon, too. But God bless the child. The new album is called American Standard, a collection of songs he grew up with and still loves. Every time it rains, it rains pennies from heaven. When you were... A little guy. Music was a big part of your family life? Mm-hmm. How so? Well, I think my mom was, uh, she loved music. We had a record player and uh, a, a family record collection that sounds very much like the one that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just always playing in the house. You know. Were you a kid who had the album cover and mm-hmm. you knew the album cover and in the... Uh, the liner notes and maybe the lyric sheet, and were you looking at all of that? You'd lie on the floor, on a, usually on a carpet, uh, look out the window, look at the, uh, you know, say you're listening to Tom Lair, and you'd look at the album cover and read about, you know, read it through a couple of times, but then just gaze at the art and, you know, just listen to the music. And that's how it gets imprinted. It's permanently mm. engraved. It really is. Someone I know who um, I am married to, as a matter of fact, made an observation about you that, you know, a lot of artists own their work, but from James Taylor, a song from James Taylor is a gift. Hmm. I I just, I I think that I, I love that, but I think I I, I know what he means. There's a generosity and affability, um, a humility that says, I've got this song, and now would you like to have it? Right. Uh, there's a, a guitar sitting so close to you, I'm tempted to think that it, it, it's not just decor. It, it, oh. is a, it is a fine... This one is the, the first of this type of guitar that I had, and I've had it long enough now that it looks like something from the 1700s, you know? It looks like a, it was made in Venice or something. 
I once heard a, a tape of myself um, of a live concert that I gave at, at Syracuse. And I sat there and tuned my guitar. Someone, you know, they, nobody cut it out for some reason. I sat there and tuned my guitar for easily 10 minutes on the stage, <laughs> longer than any song I played. I just don't know how the audience could stand it. You know, I... I, I Yeah. This was in a hotel room in in Minneapolis, Minnesota when I went there to do a benefit to uh raise money to reintroduce uh, wolves to Yellowstone National Park, which has happened. Mm-hmm. That was it, it it happened and and uh I think they're they're still there, you know, doing pretty well. Uh, it's well contribution, but very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I came to town. I checked in my hotel, and uh, a guy named uh, James Olson had uh, left this guitar in my room. And I picked it up, and I've never put it down since. I'm do you know James Olson? Now. I do. You tuned that for what purpose? Well, it's not really tuned. Is the reason I was putting it down? No, uh, what? You, we're not patient. Are we patient? This guitar's neck is just slightly wider than um, than the the typical steel string guitar, like a Martin, and uh, and it's it's easier for me to play. But the tolerances are very close, so it's it's it it doesn't take a lot of strength or a lot of uh, finger pad to push the push the strings down. What's the thing you do with your thumb? Your thumb is doing bass, and your yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I play a bass line mostly with my... It's like the thumb is the left piano of a left hand of a piano player, and the and the, the these three fingers are the are the right hand. You taught yourself that technique. Yeah, I I mean you know I I don't think that there's anything unusual about it. There, I there was a guy named uh, uh, Merle Travis, and he had a kind of a picking style like you know that sort of folk music kind of thing and I learned that and uh, some people do it with two fingers and a thumb but I just always did it with three and from that um, when I 
when I went to, to boarding school, I, um, I discovered uh, church music, you know, because I had never, you know, I came from a family of, 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 of pretty staunch uh, atheists and, um, I don't know, not atheists, but, but very skeptical about uh, organized religion. And so I had never had any introduction to it at all. And when I went away to school, we had chapel uh, three times a week, and on Sundays you had to go to church, you know. So, And the nearest one was an Episcopal church that had this great hymnal. And I learned all these songs that, that I found in the, in the hymnal. And that really, I think, gave me the basis of my... When I learned to play uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, or God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, or, you know, whatever... Uh, Good King Wenceslas or something like that, then uh, it, it, in learning those, it sort of laid down a, a kind of a, a foundation for uh, for Western music, I guess. You know? What? So, yeah. yeah, that was it. Those playing those hymns and like uh, Jerusalem or... Uh, you learn those songs and it teaches you a lot about chords. Uh, you couldn't get a better primer for Western music than the Protestant hymnal. You know, It really is, uh, it's all there. I had no idea that hymnals were going to enter your musical development. They, they re- it really was important to me. Mm-hmm. As easy has rolled an awful law. Another I early influence Saturday morning cartoons. With you. It was as easy as rolling cigarettes. Rolling off a log. It's it's a song from a cartoon that we uh, that we used to see uh, as kids. We used to see how often did you see this? Um, I don't know. It was it was one of those merry melody cartoons that that would. You see on Saturday morning. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this one was from a, a cartoon called um, Kitty Cat College. No. Yeah, something like that. Well, anyway, it was about uh, these cats who were going to college to learn how to swing. And, and the, and the, and the professor is, is, is teaching the class in, in how to swing. And and there's, sadly, there's one cat who has no rhythm at all. Mm-hmm. Has, can't, uh, you know, can't get it. And he's made to sit in the corner and wear the dunce cap while everyone goes out to jam. And he's sitting there in, on his, uh, his, in his stupid corner. And, the, and he starts to follow the clock like this. And he gets the rhythm and, and he says, uh, you know, I've got it now. And he, he's, he splits and goes down, pulls out a trumpet and blows everybody away. You know, so. It's like all of love. Yeah. This love stuff has got me in a fall. This spring, he'll be out on tour again. A troubadour who still loves what he does. It's so easy to fall in love. 
with you. It's, it's undeniably revitalizing to have the audience uh, react to a, a song that they came to, to hear, you know. So uh, some people uh, love it and, and other people are, are sort of worn down for it, but for me, it, it feeds me. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.